Bible this morning, we got to get started. I want to get into a week two of our series here. We're in a series called Vessels of Honor. And uh, it's based on, there's a, a passage of scripture where God told Jeremiah, he said, Jeremiah, I want you to go down to the potter's house. And once you get to the potter's house, you're going to see a potter working on a wheel. So Jeremiah goes down to the potter's house. And as he's observing this wheel uh, and this potter working with this clay, God begins to speak to him. And he says, uh, I'm the potter and you're the clay. And I want to make some adjustments. I want to mess with you and mold you and push on you because I want to make you a vessel of honor. So I want to start in 2 Timothy chapter 2. If you got your Bible, that's where we're going to start this morning. If you got your worship guide, uh, some of it's in there, but I'm going to read more than what is in your worship guide. 2 Timothy chapter 2 is kind of a base scripture that we'll be reading uh, every week for the next couple of weeks as we go through this ser- uh, series. So they'll put it up on the screen behind me, 2 Timothy Chapter 2 this morning, verse number 20, it just says, In a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but there's also wood and clay, and some vessels are for honor, and some vessels are for dishonor. And we spent a lot of time last week just looking at that, and we looked in in uh, the book of Genesis where it says God took from the clay, or he took from the earth, and after he created all of creation, he formed, he fashioned man out of the ground or out of the dirt. And he says, you're going to be the crown of creation. And then he says, I- I- I'm going to bl- breathe my life into him. And the Bible says that God breathed into the nostrils of this clay being or dirt being, and the life of God came into that man and he called him Adam which just means God man and he said and now you take dominion and he says you take dominion of the beast of the field the fish of the uh, the sea the birds of the air and you bring it into subjection he put him in the garden and he said this is your garden and he told him again he said you take dominion over this so we saw there that God he said let us make man in our image after he made all of creation he made what he called the crown of creation and he crowned him with a portion of his glory and his honor in Psalms 8 is what it says and, and man came alive right he came up and God told him he said yes signed him some stuff, and, and he put in within, within man everything that he needed for his assignment because he said, let us make man in our image. So Jesus had a part in the creation of man, and he put within man a sacrificial uh, willingness. He put within man community, right? Jesus didn't do it alone. He had disciples, and then God stepped up, and he put his power in man. He says, all power in heaven and earth is given unto me, and he put dominion in man. Then the Holy Spirit, he was in the creation process of man, and he says, I'm going to put my spirit within him. I'm going to give him love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness gentleness and self-control and I'm going to give him a guidance system that everywhere he goes he always hears my voice and he he knows so those three the trinity made man in his image and, and and that's us that's God's original design you've got the goods Come on, you're not just a lump of clay. There's a lot of ingredients in that clay. But, but God put some stuff in you. And you have the goods. But you got to shape that good. you got to take that clay and you got to make it into a vessel of honor. So today we're going to look at just how to shape that thing. And the next verse I want to look at with you is, is verse 21. It says, therefore, in other words, he says, if you want to be a vessel of honor, he says, you got, you got a part to play in this deal. He says, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor. And he'll be sanctified. Or sanctified just means he'll be set apart 
for God. He'll be set apart. And he says he'll be useful for the master. Prepared for every good work. The real word I want to look at this, this morning is last week we looked at the ingredients. But this week I want to look at the preparation. Because he says that God's, God's got a design, a plan for you. He's, he's got things he wants to do in your life. But there is a preparation process. I was always taught that preparation time is never wasted time. That just means any time that you spend preparing, it's not wasted time. Uh, I like, uh, I think it's Abraham Lincoln, he said, I will study, I will prepare, and my opportunity will come. In other words, opportunity wasn't just there. He says, no, there's a part that I have to play. He says, I will study, I will prepare, and my opportunity will come. So I want to look at how to prepare or how to go to the next step. Because if you have the clay, like I have some clay here. Babe, come here. You're going to have to help me because... I, I can't do it all with just these hands. If I was octopus. Yeah, you got a mic stand. Women are geniuses. I would have not thought of that. Thank you, Cora. That was your chance, ladies. I don't know what y'all thinking. Like, <clears throat> I just said women are geniuses. Yes, yes, take that. Yes, run with it. Put it on your bumper sticker. Speaking of, I was not here Wednesday night. But I know my wife did a jam-up job on Wednesday night. We had first Wednesday. April, we'll be doing that the first Wednesday of every month. Uh, I wasn't here. We actually got invited uh, to go on a trip. Me and Nova got invited. And uh, I'll just take two minutes of liberty here. It was really a cool uh, trip uh, because... Uh, Noble likes to hunt. It's not the only thing he likes to do. He likes to play golf, and he's on the swim team, basketball team. He likes to do all this type of stuff. How many of y'all know that you... How many of y'all follow your kids around and do a bunch of stuff you don't want to do for them? You know how much I care about any of that except for hunting and golf? I like that, but the rest of it's just like, yeah, it's not my favorite. Can I do it like that? Because it's right in my eyeballs when you do it like this. Like, all I see is microphones. So, all right, that, that works. No, you're all right. Uh, so, so anyway, so we got invited to go... To go uh, hunting, it's got to be perfect, don't it? You making your nest? I got you. Anyway, so uh, we got invited to go uh, turkey hunting, and uh, for those of you that don't know anything about that, or you're not into hunting or something like that, basically you go find these birds and you shoot them in the face. Uh, yes, go PETA. Uh, so anyway, so uh, we got, but we got invited to go that these people wanted to film him for television uh, for like kids hunting and stuff like that. So we had a whole camera crew that followed us around. Everybody's microphoned up. And he's hunting with this guy that's like a five-time world champion turkey caller. I mean, this guy, like you just think that's a turkey. But it's not. It's a man because you can see his face moving. But you think he's a turkey. I mean, he's just like this phenomenal uh, turkey caller and all that kind of stuff. So we got invited to go do that. At this place, it's probably like the best place in America that you can go. Uh, so it was a lot of fun. If you don't know a whole lot about turkey hunting, basically you just put on a bunch of clothes that look like leaves. And uh, you get up early in the morning and uh, while, while the, the, it's still dark. And you go and you go to where you think that there's turkeys. And you stand there and the sun is about to come up. And then you start trying to locate these birds. So one way you locate them is you... That's what you do. You owl hoot. And then what you're trying to do is you're trying to get... Y'all didn't know y'all come to church this morning to get you an education on how to turkey hunt. You're welcome. Uh, so uh, after you owl hoot, then you hear... And then you know, there he is. And then you take off running. 
It's a lot of fun. <laughs> Believe it or not. There were times, I will tell you, but while we were having this trip, that I was thinking, if the outside world were to look into this cosmos of time and see five men dressed like leaves <laughs> running through the woods going, and then uh, I wonder what people would think about that. And so that's what we did, though. So, so we find them. So you go and you try to set up on them. You sit by the tree and then you start trying to sound like a girl. And told you it's fun. Uh, so you're trying to get them to come in, right? Because you want them to come in because Thanksgiving's at stake, right? It's like, this doesn't work. We don't have a turkey. Uh, so we call them. So anyway, so the turkeys come in. And if all goes well, then bam, the turkey flops over and you go pick him up, take pictures, and then you eat him. Uh, so that was my week last week. So I said all that to say, my wife did a great job Wednesday. Thanks for uh, holding down the fort so that me and Noble could uh, go turkey hunting. We'll do that every first Wednesday. Anyway, so back to my story. Uh, I have this clay here that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut because uh, you're, you're, you're clay and God's put ingredients in you. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But he says that he says if you want to be a vessel of honor, he says if you want to be sanctified, you have to be prepared for the master's use. So it, the, the first step of preparation, and I told you last week that, that this step is kind of painful. And uh, that's just where God, he, he, he forces us, or he doesn't force us, he encourages us to go through this preparation process. So what that looks like, uh, my wife and I, we took ceramics for a couple years. Uh, yeah, just set that down, it's fine. So the, the preparation pro process, or the first part of it, is you have to do what's called wedging the clay. Uh, that means that you just got to mush this stuff over and over. Sorry. Over and over and over again. No, you're all right. I'm using my wife's dish towel. As I was putting it in the car, I bet she's going to get mad at me for using her dish towel. But I did it anyway. That's what husbands do. I would do that if I was really going to throw a pot here, if I was really going to make something with this, I would stand there and I would wedge that clay over and over and over again for probably 10 minutes or 15 minutes just wedging the clay. You say, well, well why do you do that? The reason you do that is because there's pockets inside this clay. There's pockets in and if you don't deal with those pockets, whenever you put this thing in the fire, and I've done this many times, trust me, I didn't feel like doing the wedging process. And whenever I put it in the kiln, after I'd made this beautiful whatever, I thought it was nice, I put it in the kiln, and as the kiln, the, the temperature begins to rise, you hear, and then it dawns on you, oh no, oh no, that thing that I just built, it exploded in the kiln. And the reason it exploded in the kiln is because I never wedged it really properly. Because in this clay, there's a lot of junk in this clay. But the main thing is there's these little pockets of air. And if I don't deal with those pockets of air, then it's going to be a problem whenever things get really hot. So here, God said, he says, listen, there's some preparation that, that needs to take place in order for God 
to, to, to make you a vessel of honor. And this is your part. So that just means God puts all these ingredients in you. But he says, if you want to be prepared, if you want to be a vessel of honor, he says, you're going to have to make some preparations yourself. And that word preparation, it just means two things. And then you worship God, there's a couple of blanks. The first one, it, it just means to make ready. To make ready. The second thing that it means is it means to prioritize or it means to arrange. In other words, if, if you're going to be a vessel of honor, you'll have to make some arrangements. You'll have to make some priorities. You'll have to move some things around in your life. And there'll be some preparation. There'll have to be some pockets of stuff that you've got to work out of you. Now, a Christian term for that or uh, you know, a churchy term for that just means holiness. That just means that there's certain pockets of things inside people. And uh, people are bent different ways, right? For some people, it's addictions. For some people, it's money. Some people, it's fame. You know, I was with a guy just a few, not, few days ago, and uh, he deposited uh, a check into his, into his account for $45 million. He sold a company for $75 million. He cleared $45, and he deposited forty. Can you imagine depositing $45 million in your bank account? Yes, Lord. <laughs> Feel the anointing right there. Deposited $45 million, and, and yet he's just, just not satisfied. He's just, just more, 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 more. So these pockets that, in, that are in us are any number of things. And we're going to look at one example in just a minute uh, of a guy who had all the potential in the world. And God actually called him from his mother's womb to be a vessel of honor. But things went awry. Why? Well, because uh, his priorities were all kind of jacked up and he never made things ready. That better? Thanks, dear. So uh, I want to finish reading, though, because here he tells us what, what we need to do or some of the things that we need to do to get prepared. So if you look at your, it's your verse number 22, it says, flee youthful lust. The word lust just means a strong desire, an intense craving for something, a desiring the forbidden, striving at things, persons, or experiences that are contrary to the will of God. And he says right there, he says, if you want to be a vessel of honor, he says, you're going to have to run away from some stuff. He says, you're going to have to flee youthful lust. And I can tell you, every person in here, you got a Delilah. You may not admit it, but I can promise you, everybody's got a Delilah. Some people, they can go, they can, they can pass a hundred casinos and it don't do nothing to them. But for other people, it really, it really struggles. Some people, money's not an issue for them. Vanity's not an issue for them. Looks aren't an issue for them. But every person has got some type of Delilah. And, and that's a pocket that God's going to require to work out of you. And he's going he's gonna to want you to push and push and push and mush, and mush, and mush. Why? Because he's preparing you to make you a vessel of honor. He says you're going to have to flee those things. And he says you're going to have to run towards some other stuff. He says pursue righteousness. He says pursue faith. Pursue love and peace with those who call on the name of the Lord. I underline that in my Bible. Those who call on the name of the Lord. And all that means is God's not designed you to do it alone. God doesn't have any intentions of you working this stuff out by yourself. God's, God, God will surround you with the right people. That there's people that call on the name of the Lord that will help you deal with this stuff. And if you don't get around those people, you'll never get free on your own. It's just really hard. And the other thing is, is you won't get free without God. A lot of people, they think, well, I'm going to get all cleaned up 
I'm going to get all this stuff worked out of me, and then I'm going to come to God. It don't work like that, brother. It just don't. Because you're going to need his help. I can tell you, you're going to need his strength. You're going to need his wisdom. You're going to need the grace of God. You're going to need him encouraging you. You're going to need him through this process. And it is a process, and that just means it doesn't happen overnight. I told you, you know, for me, whenever the Lord told me, he said, I don't want perfection, I want commitment. It took a little while for me to get free or get unwrapped of some of this stuff. But I had to make that choice. I said, God, I don't want to be a vessel of honor. He says, well, oh, well, there's some preparation. I put good stuff in you. All three of the trinities put some good stuff in you, but there's some preparation that's got to go on. He says, verse number 23, he says, avoid foolish and ignorant disputes. I wrote above, amen, I, put, I wrote above that my Bible, gossip. He says there's certain people you don't need me hanging out with, certain conversations you don't need to be having. He says you need to avoid foolish disputes, getting all bent out of shape, not controlling your emotions. As I go through this list, some of you, you're cool as a cucumber, but there's going to be some of these things that are going to prick you. And those are the things that God says, this is some of the stuff I want to work out of you. So that I can make you a vessel of honor. So you may be real laid back, right? There's not a whole lot of stuff, ignorant disputes. Don't he says, knowing that they generate strife. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be gentle to all. You could say it like this. A servant of the Lord needs to be courteous. Can't be violent. Or you could say, messy. How many of remember messy was the word? She messy. Can't be Messy. He says, the servant of the Lord must be gentle. I struggle with this one sometimes. Anybody else struggle with gentleness? And impatience. He should have put impatience is what the Lord should have put right there. He says, be gentle to all. You need to be able to teach patient. Look at that. He did put that in there. Thank you, Lord. Verse 25, he says, you need to have humility correcting those that are in opposition. In other words, if people don't agree with you or don't talk the way you talk or don't believe the way you talk, or don't believe the way you believe. He says you need to be gentle with people that, that aren't like you. I mean, I know that the political scene right now is pretty ungentle. Man, people are going crazy, and I don't care who you support. I mean, some of these rallies they're going to, man, people are getting black eyes. I mean, it's just gotten nuts. Even though you don't believe with somebody, he says, he says no, 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 servant of the Lord must be gentle in opposition. Why? He says, well, because if God, he perhaps will grant them repentance. God's always trying to grant people repentance. How many of y'all glad about that? How many of y'all glad God's gentle with you? Yes, Lord. Be gentle with me. He says, I want to be gentle with you. You've got to be gentle with other people. He says, so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses. I mean, let's just say it like this. Some people just ain't got no sense. Yeah, in your own family. Some people just don't have any sense. But God says your response to them can allow God to bring them to their senses. Bring them to repentance. And he says, so that they may know the truth. And that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil. In other words, a lot of people we come in contact with, it's not just that they don't have any sense. They're really entrapped or they're snared or they're deceived. They just don't know. They're ignorant. And, and God says, listen, to deal with those people, he says, the servant of the Lord needs to be, needs to have these ingredients. 
So some of you need to work on these ingredients, right? Some of you, there's certain things you say, I'm not very patient. Uh, I, I, like, I, I have a hard time fleeing youthful lust. There's certain addictions, certain temptations, certain attitudes that I have, certain anger issues, unforgiveness in my life, things that happened in my past with my person that, that, that abused me, that there's some residual stuff there. God wants to help you. And bring other people there to help you deal with some of these things so you don't stay ensnared. So that you don't stay trapped. Because the devil, he'd like to keep you bound up for the next five years, or the next ten years, or the next twenty years. Uh, there's a guy that I respect that, that, that hears, hears from God, hears from the Lord. And uh, he made this statement one time. He says, many people live and die and never enter in to the first phase that I called them to do. In other words, Jesus spoke that to him. He says, many people, most of my children, live and die, and they never enter the first phase of what I called them to do. Why is that? If they were called from their mother's womb, and they even asked Jesus into their heart, they came down to the front, they responded to an altar call, and yet they never entered the first phase of what called them to do. Well, they just never went through that wedging. They just never let that potter, right? We all want the pretty. How many of y'all like the pretty? We all want the, the pretty side of Jesus, right? We will make it rain, Jesus. Make it rain. Do, 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 right? We want, we want the fun Jesus. He says, no, no, no. He says, there is a preparation. And he says, there's certain characteristics that you, that you should have. And he says, actually, if you look in, in verse 1 of chapter 3, he says, in the last days, there's going to be perilous times that come. He says, men will be lovers of themselves. He says, people will be lovers of money. People will boast. I don't need God. I don't need anything. They'll be boasters. They'll be proud. They'll be blasphemers. Don't even believe in God. They ridicule God. Ridicule, they attack Christianity. He says, in the last days, they'll be disobedient to parents. Not my children. He says, they'll be un unthankful. He says, they'll be unholy. He says, they'll be unloving, unforgiving. A lot of uns. He says, they'll be slanderers and they'll be without self-control. He says, they'll be brutal. They'll be despisers of good. They'll be traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. He says, and even within the church, he says, he says, there'll be people that have a form of godliness, but they deny its power. Sure, they may go to church, right? They may, may know the Lord. He says, yeah, but they'll, they'll deny, and they'll deny that, that they won't let God Work some things out of them. Get some of this stuff out of them. And watch the next sentence here. He says, and from such people, what's he say do? Turn away. He says, he says some people, you got, you got to turn away. So in your worship guide, under prioritize, that just means that there's some people that, that you're going to have to, you, you're going to have to turn away from, or the way I put it, give me that worship guide right there. It says, uh, I, the way I think about it is at the, at the end of your life, I've done a lot of funerals, been around, and at the end of people's life, the, the thing that, that people care most about is uh, people, right? 
You don't really care about your boat and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you, you care about certain people and very limited things. Or, or you can just write, I left you a blank there that just says, who, who's important to you and what's important to you. So that just means in order to prepare yourself, you just have to figure out what's really important to me. What are the things that are really valuable to me? And, and who are the people that are really important to me? And then above that where it says get ready, the word prepare just means to make ready. Then, then, then you can write in there, it just says you do it with God's help and you do it with people's help. In other words, God didn't design you to go through this process alone. You got to do it with, with God's help. And then also, you got to do it with people's help. God will bring people supernaturally around you. And I've watched many of you in this room over the past couple of years as we've gotten to know each other. And uh, how much you've grown. Man, just really uh, what gets me up in the morning is not the building and not, not, not all the fluff. Uh, me and Elizabeth were laying in bed, I guess it was two or three nights ago. And I said, I just don't want to play church. I just ain't interested in playing raggedy church. Where you come and you sing three songs and you go through the motions and you preach a, preach a little point here, a point there. I'm just not interested. She says, me neither. I said, good. Let's high five. Want to kiss? Just kidding. <laughs> boys will be boys. I said, I'm just not interested in just, just playing church. You know, I like to see uh, change and I've watched you guys get surrounded by people and get in small groups and get in groups and go to conferences or marriage conference or men's conference and, and there's this there's a change there's things that get worked out of you and it's a process and it's not something God designed you to do by yourself and he wants to help you through it and it's going to take some effort and, and it's not going to always be easy and there's going to be times where you slip but the Bible says a good man falls seven times but he gets back up so a good man is not absent of falling. A good man just falls seven times, and he still, he says, I will arise. And he gets back up, and he gets back on his way. Now, I'm going to show you this uh, one example, and it's in Judges. And this is a famous example. Judges, uh, we're going to start in chapter 13, and it's the story of Samson. I mean, y'all know about Samson. Everybody knows about Samson, right? If you've been in church for any number of time, there's a man named Samson, and he had long hair, right? But we're going to look at something besides Samson and his long hair. So, so if you've got your worship guide or you got your Bible, open it up to the, the 13th chapter. I think we're going to start there. I'm going to teach out of my Bible instead of this paper. And we're going to look at the birth of Samson and how Samson came, came to be in the first place. Judges chapter 13, verse number 1. They're going to put it up on the screen behind me if you don't have it. It says, again, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them in the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. You don't know anything about the Philistines? The Philistines oppressed the people of God. They persecuted them. They would take their wives, pillage their crops. They were a nuisance to the nation of Israel. And what would happen is the nation of Israel uh, would do pretty good for a little while, but then they would start worshiping other gods and putting other things in front of God. And God, because they would do that, God would just say, okay, well, then you're kind of on your own. I told you I'd fight your battles. I told you I'd be good to you. I told you I'd provide for you. But if you're going to go off and serve all these other things, then you're kind of on your own. So then the Philistines would just come in and just take over. 
And so they had taken over for 40 years. And then what would happen? Have y'all done this before? Then the people of God would say, God, we're sorry. We made a mess of it, man. This is just that they've taken our wives, our kids. They're taking our crops. They're oppressing us. They've made us their slaves. This is horrible. They would cry out to God. And what would God do? He would help them. He would hear them and he would answer them. But the way that God would help them, which is always fascinating to me, is he would send an individual In other words, God would train up a person. God didn't use like a lot of angels and stuff like that. He would train up an individual to help them. So here he's going to train up or he's going to allow this person to be born named Samson. But this is fascinating and this will help you. This is not really has much to do with my with my message, but I felt like I should share is it would be about 20 years before Samson is strong enough to defeat the Philistines. But. For those 20 years, God was preparing an answer. In other words, sometimes we pray for things and we say, God, help me. God, help me. God, help me. And a year will go by and we think God's not helping. Five years will go by and you think God's not helping. He's not answering my prayers. But here, in order for God to answer the prayers, he had Samson to be born. But it would be 20 years 20 years before Samson would step on the scene and really begin to help. But God had sent the answer 20 years before. So sometimes whenever you're praying for things, you're like, God, where are you at? You're not helping. You're not helping. And it's just he's helping. You just can't see it. He, he's given birth to something back here and you're just ignorant of it. And it may be five years before finally it materializes. And I've done this a thousand times where I look back and I say, you were working on this a long time ago, weren't you? You slick willy God, you. I thought that you weren't doing anything for me, but you've been working on this all along. Well, aren't you a smart God? I'm just an ignorant little child. Your ways are higher than my ways. Your ways. So, so I'm just saying that because sometimes you pray for things. You're like, Lord, Lord, send me a man or Lord, send me a job. or Lord, And, that, and you think he ain't doing it. He ain't doing it. Maybe he is doing it. Maybe it's just going to take a while for that thing to mature to the point to where it steps into your life. Because here, if you look in verse two, it says, it says, uh, now there was a certain man of Zorah, the family of the Danites. His name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had no children. But the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and, he, and said, indeed, now, this time next year, you're going to give birth to a man named Samson. He says, as you've borne no children, but you will conceive, you'll bear a son. Now, therefore, be careful. Don't drink wine. Don't drink any similar drink. Don't eat anything unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. And no razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. Everybody say womb. Right out of the gate, God said, I have, I've, I've made this person in the womb. I've destined them. I've marked them. Uh, They're going to be a vessel of honor for me. Just as a baby, as a child. And I'll tell you, every person in here, God God knows where you're at. He knew you in your mother's womb. And, And his desire for you is for you to be a deliverer. For you to be a person that carries redemption. For you to be a person that carries the light and carries salvation. And right out of the womb, this person was a vessel of honor. He had all the ingredients 
I'm telling you, this dude was a bad mamma jamma, right? Not because he had long hair, but because God had, 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 had anointed him or had put this on his life. But how many of y'all know it wasn't enough just to have the ingredients? How many of y'all know it wasn't enough just for Samson to have the ingredients? No, 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 no. There, there had to be some real preparation here. And, of course, we know the story, but we'll look at some of it. If you drop down to chapter 14, verse 2. Put that one up there. He had some issues. How I many of y'all have issues? We all got issues. He had the ingredients. Last week we looked at the ingredients, but he didn't go through the really the preparation process. Verse number 2 of the verse 14, he says, He went up and he told his mom, his father, and his mother, he's saying, i seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the who? Philistines. The people he's supposed to be help eradicate, right, or, or take away the oppression. He, he found him one that he thought was good looking. He says, now therefore, he told his mom and daddy, he said, go get her for me as a wife. Then the father and the mother said to him, is there no other woman among the daughters of the brethren or among our people that you, may, that you must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? But Samson said to his father, he said, go get her for me, for she pleases me well. Drop down to chapter 16, verse number one. You just go see the progression of this thing. Now Samson went to Gaza and he saw a harlot there, a prostitute there. And he went into her. And when the Gazites were told, Samson has come here, they surrounded the place and they lay in wait for him all night at the gate of the city. They were quiet all night saying, in the morning, in the daylight, we will kill him. And there's a 20 year span here of a guy named Samson who out of his mother's womb, his mother was barren, could not have any kids. Miraculously, the Lord told her, he says, you and your husband, you're going you're to give birth to a son. And this son, he's going to have the goods. Right out of your womb, he's, I've marked him. I'm going to make him a deliverer. I'm going to make him a redeemer. But for 20 years, he had this thing. He just couldn't get out of him. He had this pocket. For him, it was a lust, right? It was a sexual lust. He just couldn't get out of it. Maybe for you, it's a sexual lust. Maybe it's a money lust. Maybe it's any number of things. But for him, it was this, it was this pocket of lust. He says, man, I just... I want that Philistine woman right there. And even his mom and daddy. I mean, I told you, God doesn't want you to do it alone. God brings people into your life to try to help you and guide you and coach you and try and, try and move you the right direction. God's using supernatural. He's using his parents. He, said, he says, listen, there's other ladies out there for you. He said, go get her for me. That's the one I want right there. Then he sees a prostitute. He goes in there. He says, I like her. And now after this, after 20 years, there's a lady that steps on the scene. How many of y'all know what her name is? Delilah. It says, verse number four, it says, Afterward it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorak whose name was Delilah. And, of course, we know the rest of the story. And I'll just to speed things along a little bit. Uh, we know that this woman, uh, he's in love with her. And, and he'll do anything for her. And three times she tricks him, right? She, she, but he had this long hair because his, his the God, God told his mother, he said, don't ever cut his hair. And there was no strength in his hair. The hair represented his devotion to God, his obedience to God. That's what the hair represented. So, so Delilah came to him and says, I recognize that you've got an amazing amount of strength. No Philistines can, can, can mess with you. Whenever they would try to bind him, they would try to arrest him, they would try to kill him. He would get out of all of their plans. But she comes to him and she says, tell me the secret of your strength. 
And he says, well, if you bind me with seven fresh bow cords that have never been dried, then, that then whenever the Philistines come upon me, I won't be able to break free of that. Of course, as, as he's sleeping, she what? She ties him up. And then she says, Samson, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And the Bible says that he breaks those cords and he destroys the Philistines. Then she comes to him a second time and says, oh, you lied to me, Samson. You lied to me. Oh, but I love you, Samson. You're my main squeeze, Samson. Tell me. I got the good stuff, Samson. You know. Yes. Tell me. What's the secret of the He says, well, if you bind me with rope that's never been used before, if you'll bind me up with that rope, he says, when the Philistines come upon me, they won't be able to, I won't be able to get free. They'll, they'll destroy me. So, of course, we know the story. She binds him up with cords that have never been used before. And then, of course, what does he do? He breaks the cords. The third time happens again, and he gives her some bogus lie. He says, if you do this, I'll lose my strength. What's the point is, is that the, 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 this thing would bind him up. And he didn't realize he was bound. But he would break free of it. And I don't know if you're like me, but I've seen many people, they get bound up. And then they break free of it. And then they just go right back into it. And then they get bound up again. And then they break free of it. How many of y'all think they learned their lesson? How many of you have learned your lesson? I can tell you, speaking from experience, I would, I would struggle and then I would get free of it. Many times it would be supernatural. It would just be like, man, it's a miracle that, that, that there was not any more consequences to this. But then, then what would happen? You just go right back into it, right? And then what would happen? Bind you up again. And then supernaturally, they're on you. They're on you. He break free. But the, the last time, how many of y'all know he didn't get free? The last time, he tells her, he says, if you cut my hair. If, if you cut me off, you cut my devotion to God off, then when they come upon me, they'll destroy me. And, but I, and I want to end with this because after this, we see that the way the story ends, of course, is the Bible says that they took Samson, they tied him up, and they, they gouged out his eyes, which means they just take their thumbs, they grab him by the head, and push his eyeballs into his head. That's how they would gouge out his eyes. Then they tied him up and they would parade him around through the city. The king would bring him into the courts, the Philistines, and they would mock him and embarrass him. And his pockets that he didn't deal with, couldn't, he just wouldn't, he wouldn't allow God to work some of that stuff out of him. And he wouldn't allow the people that God brought into his life to work some of that stuff out of him. And it's not that God didn't want to help him. It's not that God didn't anoint him or call him from his mother's womb. It's not that he didn't, he didn't have the ingredients. He had the ingredients, baby. He had the goods. If you read the feats of Samson, the stuff that he did, it's remarkable the stuff that he could accomplish with God's help supernaturally. He had the goods. It's just he wouldn't allow God, instead of going to God and say, God, I have a problem with this. God, this is, this, is a, this is a snare to me. This is a trap for me. It's keeping me bound. I keep, I keep, you keep breaking me out of it, and yet I keep finding myself bound to it again. And instead of using, letting God to bring other people into his life to help eradicate this stuff from him, 
We find him with his eyes gouged out and his whole life is a mess. It's, he's been ridiculed and then to the point of he basically kills himself. And he does it in such a way that the Bible says he kills more Philistines in his death than he ever did in his life. Because whenever they brought him in there to mock him, he pushed the pillars of the, of the, the uh, building that, that he was in. He pushed those pillars out. The whole building fell down and killed all those Philistines. But it killed him. How I many of y'all know that wasn't the will of God for him? No, God called him. God, God supernaturally, he would have used him for a lot longer than he got used but, but th- this was the problem, and I want to I show you this in verse number 16, and then I'll end with this. Verse number 16, it says, 16, 16. It says, it came to pass when she pestered him daily. Who is this? This is Delilah. How did Delilah wear him down and get him to this point? He break free. And then she would tie him up. He'd break free. She'd tie him up. She'd... And this went on day after day after day after day. This pocket in him that needed to be worked out, it says that she pestered him daily with her words. These voices, right? Just speaking, just speaking. These temptations, just speaking, right? I mean, she, she just, she's got him on a string daily. Everybody say Daily. Daily she pesters him with her words, and she pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death. Have you ever been around people? You've seen people, they're just torn. They're just, they can't get free of something, and it happened daily. And then, she, then he told her all in his heart, and then he gives it up. The, the point is, is how did he get to this point? Well, daily he's got this influence in his life. Right? Rather than prioritize his relationships, rather than figuring out what was really important, who was really important, who he's going to run with. How many of y'all know you can't run with every dog that hunts? Rather than prioritizing, rather than arranging, rather than getting some things in order, he didn't do any of that. And yet daily, he's just getting bombarded with this. So what's the cure then? And I'll end with this. This is the cure. Is, is the same way that he got into this mess would be the same way that he would have gotten out of this mess. The same way that you find yourself bound up sometimes because daily you deal with this is the answer is in the daily. In other words, if you'll do certain things daily to counteract what's coming against you daily, then you'll never have the problems that Samson had. So there's just certain things that you and I need to do Daily. And if we'll do those, if daily, if we'll go to the Lord and we'll say, God, this is a problem for me. God, I recognize you want me to be a vessel of honor. God, I recognize I've got the goods. You put good stuff in me, but I recognize that I'm going to have to work on this stuff. And if every day you'll attack it the way it attacks you, you'll never have a problem. The problem is, is that most people don't, don't, they don't take that route, right? They just allow this thing to eat at them to destroy them, to break them down, and they just keep getting free, and they go through this cycle, and they never enter the first phase of what God called them to do. Because why? Because daily, they just didn't do certain things. So there's certain things that you and I have to do, right? There's certain people, if God wants to help us every day, we have to yield to God's help every day. Right, so every day you got to wake up and say, hey, God, God, I, I, rec- I recognize you want me to be a vessel honor. I recognize this, God. And every day I encourage you, you need to spend time in, your, in the Bible. 
Every day, even if some of you say, I don't like reading my Bible, it's boring. I don't care. I can tell you, get you a translation that you will understand. Start in Psalms. You've got to love Psalms. It's just start in Psalms. Start in Proverbs. There's wisdom in Proverbs. You'll be surprised that the, that the amount of junk God can work out of you just with one chapter of Proverbs a day. If you have a problem with bitterness or unforgiveness, all the things that, we, that he said, hey, you need to watch out for this stuff. You need to watch out. You need to, be, you need to be gentle. You need to not quarrel. You need to not gossip. You need to not do this. You need not do this. If you'll spend a little time in your Bible every day, whether it's Psalms, whether it's Proverbs, you can read the book of John. If you need help, come talk to me at church. You say, I'm ignorant, but I recognize that this thing keeps binding me up. And I get free, and then I get bound up, and I get free, get bound up. Listen, God doesn't want you to have to do it alone. He wants to help you. He'll bring people to help you. There's certain times you, you need to spend some amount of time with God every day. Whatever that looks like. Some people, it looks like, well, I talk to God on my commute. You know, I drive. I got a 30-minute drive here. I got there. However you've got to do it, there's got to be time where you talk to your Father who wishes above all things that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. He's there for you, right? God's not interested in you doing all this stuff alone where you say, God, I need help. God gave us a pattern of prayer, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Start with that. If that's the only prayer you know, just start with that. Say, my Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come in my life. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give me today what I need. Go through that. There's a thousand things you can do, but daily... If you'll, if you'll do this, then he'll put you on a wheel. And next week, we'll, we'll get a wheel out here. And we'll actually go through the process of, of, of making something that's usable. But even if you got the goods, right? Even if you got the goods, if you're never prepared, then there'll, there'll be nothing of it. Right? At the end of your life, you just want to use just a lump of clay. Right? Just a lump of unusable, never, potential never realized. But if you'll do it, he says, he says, listen, if you want to be a vessel of honor, he says, cleanse yourself of certain things. Flee youthful lust. He says, there's certain people in your life, he says, from these people, separate yourself. You can't, you can't, you can't be around everybody. I told you last week, I said, this, this of, the, of the series, you know, it is the one that most people, they're just like, okay, this is not the fun one. Yeah, but this one makes all the difference. Because if you don't get this one right, when the temperature rises, you're going to explode. And they're going to gouge your eyeballs out. And you'll never reach your potential. I know that's strong, uh, strong medicine on Sunday morning, but you'll survive. Because what gets me up in the morning, as you, at the end of your life, Knowing that, that there's certain things that matter and a bunch of junk that don't. And there's people and there's relationships with God and supernatural people that he brought into your life. Those relationships matter and the rest of it don't matter nothing. I don't care if you deposit $45 million in your account. You'll die with zero. He's got a Ferrari spider. He's got all this stuff. And I like him. He's a friend of mine. He's a nice guy. But all of that, none of it matters. And I can tell you, it, whenever it... If he's got cancer or if he's on his deathbed or something like that, he won't give you a nickel for all of it. The only thing he'll care about are his relationships with people, his relationship with God. And did I allow God to make me anything besides a bank account? 